BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello again, it is Crew Call here on the Motor Racing Network, taking you into the garage area and talking to the folks to make these race cars go around the racetrack. We are so glad you joined us. Steve Post, pit road reporter for Motor Racing Network, joined by 25-time winning and championship-winning crew chief, Todd Gordon. Hello, Todd. How are you? I'm doing great. Fantastic. Martinsville Speedway. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't 41 degrees and it wasn't a night race. Although we did get a night race and a rain race. race. We got a little bit of everything. We got a little bit of everything. Yeah. A little bit of everything. When we talk about Sunday afternoon's cup race, um, Kyle Larson, what made that so much fun is Kyle Larson, and, and we actually have Kyle Larson on our Wing Nation television program this year, and he reiterated he never had a Martinsville win on his list of things he was going to do. I don't understand that. He finished second last fall. I understand that. You understand that. But boy, when he gassed it up at the end and they had that strategy, he drove He drove like Jimmy Johnson matched up with Jeff Gordon, matched up with all of the best of Martinsville. He got, he just, he got really good there in a hurry. The strategy side of this kind of flipped the racetrack and, and really cool to see, you know, I, and I'll go back, Bill Surgeon. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. He, he played the he played the stay out game in stage two and just about won the stage, but mm-hmm. definitely flipped his track position. Uh, he and in um, in the thirty eight car, uh, Todd Gilliland and Todd Gilliland yeah. and took took two tires and flipped. The, yeah. the, so that opened everybody's eyes to yeah. how this was going to play out. What a great way to end a race! You had you had a stop. You know you had a green flag cycle that everybody kind of played the strategy around. You flip flopped some cars. Um, Matt McCall was part of this yeah. and, and just. It didn't work out in his favor. They locked a tire up before the cycle happened um, with, with Brad Kozlowski in the sixth car. And we've got Matt coming today. That's, that's why I bring that in. I'll be interested to talk to him about it. But we, uh, we saw some cars, you know, Martin Truex Jr. kind of battle around the back after a penalty got him back there. It was tough to recover. Um, Joey Logano went a lap down twice during the race, but took that strategy to flip himself forward. And then the stay out call for Joey yeah. put him in a position there. Two tires, Cliff Daniels and with Kyle Larson, yeah. uh, you know, and Martin Truex Jr. took four and drove from, well, the third or something like oh, that. It was, yeah, it was something else, yeah. The end of the race had different strategies that all played out. It was interesting in that respect that Martinsville, you'd always think in the his, historically, you got 50 laps on tires, you better come up with tires and you're going to be beat up, beaten up. Didn't work out that way. You had different strategies that could work different ways and it was interesting. It's fun. It really was fun. That's for sure. Pit Road, Ryan Priest, speeding penalty. Bubba Wallace, speeding penalty. Martin Truex Jr., speeding penalty. Chris Buescher had a great run. Equipment interference, Kevin Harvick, loose wheel. Boy, I am telling you what, those are five good cars. Yeah. That had, some were able to rally back a little bit, others were never able to make it back to the front. And in that, two penalties you brought up, Ryan Priest with a speeding penalty and Kevin Harvick with a loose wheel. And, and Kevin's loose wheel happened on the last pit stop oh, of the race. God. I really felt like Kevin was in a position to win this race. Obviously, Ryan Priest was dominating the race yep. up to a speeding penalty. They just didn't find the opportunity to cycle themselves back forward. Right. Uh, you know, that, that, that had to be disappointing for Chad Johnston and that whole team because it, it was a great day for Stuart Haas Racing. 
an organization we thought has been kind of a little lackluster this right. year. They were dominant as an organization this weekend. Didn't come through with a win, but a stepping stone for them working forward. And finally, crew chiefs willing to roll the dice. Did it shock you that Paul Wolf put Joey Logano up front? Not at all. Paul, Paul Wolf, Paul Wolf, you just give him a big old set of dice and let him sling it. But it, it, it really, I don't even know that it was a gamble because it wasn't. They didn't have much it wasn't. to lose. No. My gosh, they were not good all day. I, they, they went a lap down twice. Twice, yeah. They got the wave around, or they got the lucky dog one time and uh, end of stage one. And, and, and now they, they started at the back because they had a, they found a water tank that had a leak. Right. After qualifying, right. and they had changed water tank. But that's that's an that's an unapproved adjustment. So they had to start at the tail, which puts them at Martinsville. Oh gosh, you're, you're a half a lap down when you yep. take the green flag starting last. Um, and, and they ended up going a lap down. They got the lucky dog. They came back, went a lap down, took a wave around. <laughs> I mean, Paul knows he doesn't have a ton to to work with. He's not going to drive his way through there. So I need to do something different. Yeah, I think yeah. he called a great race. And Joey drove a great race. Yeah. Yeah, they took about, I was figuring they took about a 22nd to 25th place car and turned it into a second place finish. Yes. That's pretty sporty right there. Pretty sporty stuff for sure. Hey, looking forward to today's guest, uh, Matt McCall, crew chief for Brad Keselowski over at Roush Fenway Keselowski Racing. And we're also going to talk with TJ Majors, the spotter over there, because spotter dynamics at Talladega are so critical. So Matt McCall and TJ Majors, they're going to join us here today on Crew Call. Welcome back. It is Crew Call here on the Motor Racing Network. Love when we get a chance to dial up this guy. He is the crew chief for Brad Keselowski over at RFK Racing. Matt McCall joins us. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm good, sir. How about you? Doing well. Doing really, really well. Matt, when we look uh, at your uh, 2023 season, nine races, three top 10 finishes, 12th in the point standings, just kind of kind of assess the good, the bad, the ugly, where you guys are at with uh, with that number six car. Yeah, you know, obviously, um, uh, you know, start off Daytona fairly strong, didn't get the finish we wanted. Um, and then the intermediates were okay, uh, had, had okay pace, but we still didn't really put together um, uh, the races like we probably should have. But our execution didn't work out uh, like, it, like it should have. Um, I mean, overall, speed-wise, relative to last year, we've made a couple steps. I, mean, I feel like we've still got a decent amount of uh, room to improve there, obviously. Uh, so, so working in that direction, I and mean, I feel like that um, – there's a little bit of glimmer, I hope, in some of the races that uh, we're getting where we want to be, uh, but we still still haven't been able to do it for a, for a complete race yet. So still uh, still working on all that. Yeah, I mean, you, you almost did it, Atlanta. Um, you know, up there, I think you what finished second there. You were in the in the hunt all day. You talked about your strong run at uh, at, at Daytona, um, and I looked at your run down through seventh place finish at Fontana. I think all these things bode well going forward. Um, I'll back up first, though. Uh, I thought you were in a great position at Martinsville playing the strategy game. Uh, you were the leader as 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 we came to to that green flag cycle, uh, staying out on that strategy. Uh, looked like maybe a lock up into turn three forced your hand to come into pit road a, a lap before uh, Anthony Alfredo's tire came off. Is is that kind of what what happened? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where <clears throat> you're trying to play, you know, your your cycle for your best short amount short amount of time for the total race based off your fall off, you know, and it's one of those things where um, we felt like that uh, our fall off had been okay. Uh, and then, you know, that, I mean, honestly, people, the pitting was obviously that's how it happened short, a little bit short, but, and then not being any caution, Juliet Martins were like, okay, it's going to happen. Right. I think it was like a 70% chance or something based off of data. So you're like, all right, well, we're going to keep running here. And of course we're on pit road and TJ's like, Hey, there's a wheel off. I'm like, okay, perfect. 
oh, we're not going to throw the caution yet. Not perfect. So, yeah, it was uh, it was um, bittersweet, I guess, there for a couple seconds. And then, you know, after that happens, you lose track position. It's pretty tough at Martinsville. Really truly is. One of the things that I had your area of pit road, Matt, um, how dramatic you guys talked about when that sun came out, that car was just rolling really, really well. It was good, I think, the rest of the day, but the sun really had. How dramatic was the impact of the sun versus the cloud cover? Yeah, it definitely seemed to have a big effect on our car. I mean, some of that's Brad, right? Like his finesse at Martinsville is crazy impressive. So as the track slickens up, it just allowed us to to have a little more pace than we had had <clears throat> when it wasn't, um, uh, well, like when the cloud coverage is out. The NASCAR season is here, and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, and I, you know, obviously our car, you know, you, you go there, you know, thinking tire fall off is going to be a little bit of a, uh, a problem as well. And that, that sort of created a little bit of that, uh, not necessarily tire fall off, but more lap time fall off. And where we were at balance wise, it just helped our balance overall. So, yeah, the sun being out was definitely a positive for us, but but it was not out quite long enough. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like your correction because some people could take tire fall off as tires falling off. But uh, <laughs> yeah, a lap time fall off. Uh, track looked like it took some rubber. It still didn't get to the point I felt like it over rubber. Did you feel that way or not? Or how, how do you feel like that's played out? No, you know, and honestly, the amount of rubber, it's almost a visual. It's not like, you know, years ago where you would get stack ups of rubber built up in that thing. It's like, the track is changing colors, but it's not really getting like a thicker rubber and changing the roughness that much, you know. And I think that's the was different than where it's been uh, as far as the actual tires wearing out from a wear perspective. Uh, the wear was definitely less uh, this past race than what it was last year, both the races. So um, I would agree there. It's, it's a little bit, but not uh, not old school Marshall rubber laydown. Yeah, definitely. And we uh, did you anticipate that you would see two tires and stay out calls play at Martinsville coming in the weekend? No, I mean, I guess a little, you know, last year we put on two at the second race and it worked out okay for us. Um, but obviously the runs were way shorter. And then, you know, like when the one stayed out and led those amount of laps, it's like, holy cow, we're in a, we're in a pretty weird spot right here. And I think it obviously depended so much track position, right? You never know what your car was until you had a little bit of clean air. And you see that throughout the whole race as the leaders catch the lap cars, wherever the gap is, uh, to the next, the biggest gap on the track, that's the fastest car, right? So, um, yeah, I think that some of that played into that strategy being being an advantage for sure. Matt, I want to take a little bit behind the scenes here and, and how this impacts you, maybe even goes back to the war room. When you see something like the one car stay out, like Phil Surgeon did with the one car and stay out, 
What all does that trigger with a team? Yeah, I mean, I think it just puts the awareness up, you know, that, that there's an opportunity there. Um, and plus, you don't really know how good their car was, right? I don't think they had much track position the whole time. So he could be a easy top five car and been running 15 to 20. It's just because of where they started. So um, I think that's the, the tough part is to understand um, what the scenario is of what the car capability was and then able to maintain, you know, but definitely, definitely piques your interest of what, uh, what you need to shoot for for strategy. And, and, and looking forward a little bit or, or overall, uh, Steve brought it up 12, 10 points, a third of the way through the regular season. At this point, you're, you know, you're in a position, you're kind of in that pocket. How do you balance the focus of wanting to needing to go with it, get a win or just pointing your way through? Because I feel like you're in that you're on that line of where you're decent either way. Yeah, I mean, I think just from our perspective mindset where we've been, we need to win races, right? So I, mean, I think it's uh, it's one of those things. And looking at how last year played out with, you know, you look at the, the 19, the 12, like it's like it. You really you don't want to give up any points because obviously it can pay off in the end. But I still think winning is a top priority. Yeah. Well, when you have that, well, and when you talk about winning, we're headed to Talladega Super Speedway. Your driver has done it there before. Your second place run was Atlanta. You were so good at Daytona. Just kind of assess your level of optimism as you roll down to Talladega. Yeah, I mean, obviously our speedway cars have been really fast. You know, um, and, you know, come that some of that you know can attribute to uh, to Brad and TJ the way they work at speedways and able to put together um you know thinking ahead to chess move style stuff and obviously the uh, brad and chris work really good together at daytona i mean obviously talladega is a little bit different but i think um you'll be able to get track position hopefully with the track as wide as it is so feeling okay uh you know it's, they, things happen so fast at talladega so most of the time you can't control some of it so uh just try to do the best we can to execute and i feel like if we execute the whole race we'll be in a position to win it yeah, and 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 I I think you know I've had I've worked with TJ in the past I've worked with Brad in the past I think yeah. you've got I think you got two pretty good gems there it's gonna be fun to we'll we'll, we'll talk to TJ here later and and get a little bit of that piece um and beyond Talladega I, obviously Talladega Brad's first win and all that and he's great there uh, a clutch win coming through the playoffs back I think in uh, maybe fourteen I remember that one as well I want to look a little bit farther um looking forward. In the month of May, you've got Kansas and Darlington. That's got to raise your eye with 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 your success. I mean, with the seventh place finish at Fontana, uh, uh, places you talked about Brad with his finesse, and and when the sun came out at Martinsville, I feel like those are places that running up against the walls and tire fall, uh, lap time fall off, as you corrected <laughs> earlier, uh, plays, and and then that's a notebook that you would carry into the playoffs. It's got to look forward to those two as well, right? Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think that, uh, like you said there, we've, we've, we've made it pretty good. Um, like you said, going in, I mean, these next races coming up, I mean, even at Dover, we were pretty solid last year in practice. We just missed the balance big time in the race and the 17 was pretty good. So, um, obviously a lot of stuff's changed between, you know, development, uh, with this car throughout a, a year or more. Uh, but yes, I would say that, you know, these tracks you're mentioning between Kansas and Darlington, Darlington, we felt like we were pretty solid there last year as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I feel, Feel like we got we got a bunch of good races coming up it's just uh you know how it is like this car you can uh you can start off really far and only work on it a little bit to get it better so it's all about unloading really close and just fine-tuning to be in the right spot matt the compatibility of the two teams we see the six running really well we see the 17 running really well you and scott graves of course of course work side by side chris busher and brad kozlowski from where i sit it looks like things are going well it's a really good combination is it, you know, how is, how is the tandem working with those two drivers now as you work through your second year with the same team all in place? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's 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 really good. You know, I, mean, I think that's uh, that's sort of our probably our um, our strong suit to be able to respond and work together and you know use each other's notes at the track because we only have two cars technically to look at, right? So um, that's that's a big part of us trying to push on the weekends is being able to do that. And you know, I think uh, uh, Brad's done a really good job from his third hat that he wears here to uh, to make sure we push for that um, to keep working together because it's. It is about building the notebook and building your tools and uh, and having good people work together to, to keep pushing to the next level. And it is working well, that's for sure. Final question for you, Matt. More important, well, you know me. I love my short tracks. More important. And, of course, you love your short tracks. You get a chance to run once a year at Southern National. Now they've done something a little different this year. They've added a couple Wednesday races. Um, any chance you get, uh, get a couple warm-up runs before that uh, Southern National Thanksgiving Classic? You know, I, I saw that pop up, and I'm like, gosh, you look, look at that. But I have not looked at the dates, but I, I am going to put an effort in to try to do that because, obviously, I like going and running if there's a possibility. Uh, so, yes, that is on the radar to try, to try to get a race or two in. There we go. Man, love to see it. That's for sure. He is really good running that, that, that late model car down in Southern National for sure. Matt, we always appreciate the time. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Crew Call. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Have a good day. There we go. That is the crew chief's perspective, Matt McCall. Stay with us. TJ Majors, the spotter's perspective is coming up. Crew call rolling along here on the Motor Racing Network. Love the crew chief perspective. Love the spotter's perspective. Joining us from RFK Racing is the spotter for Brad Keselowski, TJ Majors. Hello, TJ. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you guys doing? We are well. We are very well. The spotter-driver relationship, I think I want to build this all the way back. You and Brad Keselowski, um, how far back does this go? Where did you, find, where did you initially meet uh, Mr. Keselowski, your, your present driver? I mean, I've known Brad for a very long time. Um, I, even, even before he had ran a, an Xfinity Series race, um, I've known Brad, you know, I don't even know what, how long ago that was, but, you know, I was in the, you know, in, in there in the time whenever he was kind of picked by Dell Jr. I actually remember having the conversations with Dell Jr. about it at Dover. Um, we had talked about it. I was sitting in Dell Jr.'s bus and we talked about Brad and, and, um, you know, here he is driving that car. And that was the first time, you know, I got to work with Brad and, and so when he got in the junior motorsport stuff, um, I don't know if that was Oh five, Oh six, maybe Oh five in that era, somewhere in that, that time frame. But, um, you know, that was, uh, it goes back a long way. Kind of, kind of makes me feel old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes all of us feel old, doesn't it? Um, when you look at your introduction into in becoming a spotter and I want to back up a little bit as well. You were a late model racer at that point, right? And, and that's kind of where you came into the Dale Jr. side. And, and then talk about that a little bit, then I'll, I'll expand. Yeah, I actually moved from New York to drive for Dale Jr. Uh, I drove for him for a while, ran the street stock at Concord. I actually have Junior Motorsports first three or four wins, actually street stocks and late models. Um, drove for him. So, yeah, I kind of not now you're making me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it goes back a long way. I was racing at that point in time as well. So, uh, then kind of got pushed into the spotting role when I wasn't racing one weekend and got asked to go to the track and that, I don't know if that was a good thing or bad thing, but it's worked out okay so far. So, so speak about that piece, because I, I think, I think for the viewers at home, I'd like them to understand. I know your past. Uh, I got to, you know, won a championship with you on the spotter stand. Um, 
but you've spotted for some of the best speedway racers out there. Uh, you, you've, you've, you were spotted for Dale Jr. through through a lot of his career, uh, and, and I don't know when that all started, but came over to, to Penske Racing with Joey Logano and, and myself and, and had a, a fairly decent career there and won a championship together. Really cool. And, and now with Brad, you've, how many speedway races have you won? You know, I, I don't even know the number. I don't even know how many it is. I've been asked that before, and I don't, I don't even know. Um, you know, you're right, though. I was very fortunate to, I kind of learned how to speedway race with Dell Jr., and I think we kind of, I think we kind of, he was obviously very good at it, and I realized the more information you give a guy like that, that the more decisions, the, the better decisions he can make. So I just started trying to give as much information as I could see that he couldn't see. And it just kind of evolved from there. And like I said, you give a guy like, like, um, you know, Dell Jr. that info, Joey, um, Brad, you give guys like that a little bit more info to make a better decision, then they're going to be super hard to beat. So, and we've controlled many races from the lead. You know, every driver that I've been fortunate to work with, you know, we've been able to control a lot of races from the lead. Um, Obviously, there's, you know, not, it's, it's easy to get taken out a lot of them as well. But, um, you know, you just try to give guys like that a little bit of an, uh, more info to make a good decision. And, and those guys can take info like that. And it's, it's just amazing the, how they can process it without seeing it. And it just becomes, it becomes, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just you're working to get, you're, you're painting the picture and he's seeing it as you're painting it without even looking. And it makes it, you know, a lot of fun for me to do. And, and, you know, I've been fortunate to have a lot of success at it too. You, you talk TJ about spotting from the lead and yes, you certainly have done a lot of that, but when your driver is not in the lead, are there things you're looking for, looking at trends, how far ahead, what types of things are you looking to get your driver up to the lead? I mean, you're always looking. There's not probably a lap that goes by on a plate race. Even when they single file out by the wall, I'm looking for the first guy that I can see playing with the gaps. <clears throat> you know what I mean? And and I can, there's three or four guys that I already know who are going to be doing it. It's going to be Denny. Denny's going to be the first one that's playing with the gap in front of him, trying to figure out how to get a run. Um, you just know the guys to look for. You're constantly looking for where the first move is going to come from. You can tell the guys that are content and you can tell the guys that aren't content. So I don't think um, I don't think a lap goes by that you're not looking for something, even when you're single filed out. But you're always looking at it. even even whenever um, you know even as much as when a guy's in line three or four cars behind you, if you see him move, move to the left a little bit, you know he's looking to see what cars are lined up, and you know things are going through his mind at that point because he's he's thinking about things, and you can tell a guy like that he's probably gonna make he's probably the one that's gonna maybe make a move because he's he's planning ahead, he's looking, you know and you got a guy that's straight following line, not doing anything. He's not thinking about anything, but it's logging laps right then. But you got the guy back there that's poking out every little bit and, and you know, he's trying, you know, and he's just waiting for somebody to make a move or somebody to get out of line a little bit. And then he's going. So you're always looking for things like that to try to, to be ahead, to be ahead of the game. Um, even when you're leading, you, you got two, three teammates signed up. You're looking where the first you're kind of banking. You're not really, you're not really the, the car that's in trouble right there, but you're always looking at the last car in your group. Who's going to make the move first on that guy? You're trying to protect that guy because that guy is your first line of defense <laughs> as the leader. So you're always, you're always looking for stuff. I don't, I don't know how um, there's probably a hundred other little things that I look for, but those are some of them. Yeah. And you talk about that. You're looking three, four. I mean, I've heard you in the past, 
make calls of things that are happening six, eight cars back. Um, how do you do that through a pair of binoculars at a <laughs> 2.66 mile racetrack on a backstretch? Uh, I mean, you're just used to it. You go to the, like, we've been, this is one thing why, like, you know, spotters like to go to the same spots they've been going to for years because your sight lines are the same. You know, you've been going to the, some of these tracks for so many years, you know, you know what clear is and what's not clear. And the more races you do there, the more comfortable you get with it. But if you move me, you know, 50 feet down to the other end, my whole, everything's different. You're not, for me, you might not think it's a big deal, but I'm uncomfortable. I'm not, I don't like my, you know, I don't know. I could probably clear them down to two feet. Um, you know, one thing, even coming over and working with Joey, one thing, you know, it took a little bit to get, for Joey to get comfortable with some of the things that I was saying, cause he, I was calling him clear and he wasn't moving and he wasn't sure. And I'm like, I, look, I'm, if I'm saying it, I'm a hundred percent, I will not get you hooked. I know if we're getting, if, if we're getting hooked, then we're not, we're out of the race and I won't chance that. So, you know, there's, there's things you just gotta the, build the trust up, but, um, I don't know it's kind of tough at times. The entry to entry to one's pretty, pretty difficult sometimes. And you're looking at everybody's bumpers and then if the sun's setting just right, or, you know, kind of at one point of the day, the, the, the glare off the bad glass makes it pretty hard. Um, but there's a, it can definitely be challenging at times. Ex- expand upon that trust, because I don't think that everybody, our listeners understand. I mean, I, I guess the way the analogy I would give is that when we go to Daytona and Talladega, the drivers are all standing on top of the grandstands. And then there's these steering wheel holders that do what they tell them, especially <laughs> for the guys that are up front, right? You, they gotta, you, there's no time to process what you say. They've got to just trust in you and follow what you say, right? Yeah, hundred percent. If they, if there's a hesitation, then that's not good. If you, if they hesitate to what you tell them, then. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. And that relationship probably isn't as good as it needs to be for being really successful at a plate race. You need to be able to tell them, um, especially like uh, Atlanta is kind of a plate race now. <clears throat> you're you're kind of, you're counting gaps so fast and that guy's processing it at the same time. And if he doesn't move when you tell him, um, you know, things change so fast now, if he doesn't move and you got to be, you got to, if you, you got to place your car. Sometimes you got to be aggressive with it and you got to be on top of it. And you, when you see it coming and if he doesn't trust you or move right, when you say that split second hesitations, when, when wrecks can happen. So you can't have any of that. So you got to build that trust with the driver. So he, so he'll move as soon as you tell him he won't, he won't, you know, think about it twice. He's got to trust you to make them moves. 
Yeah, definitely. And if our listeners ever want to understand that, I think uh, if you can find the Atlanta race and go back and, and watch it, they went to, I think that, that I think it was that broadcast, they went to your audio as Brad was controlling the front. And it was just impressive to, to listen to you back and forth. Okay, go to the top. Okay, go to the bottom. Just, just, and him just like, it, there wasn't a delay. And that's that trust you talk about. Um, and, and that's one thing to do when you're sitting out there in the front, front of the pack, but three wide at Talladega, in the middle of it. How, how do you manage that one? And how do you help your driver through those situations? Um, so when you're three wide, you're, you're not, it sounds weird, but you're not really looking at where your guy is right there. Cause he's not really moving. You're kind of in the middle. He knows he's got cars on both sides. You glance up there every couple, every second or so making sure, but you're looking, you're looking at what's lining up in both lanes to see when your help's going to get there, how long it's going to be till you get back in line. Or if there's a, there's a gap coming, you know, what lanes build the momentum, what lanes starting to fade. You're, you're you're getting, you're just planning for the next move. The whole, every, every, every move you make at, at a plate race is pretty much just looking ahead. You know what I mean? You're always looking ahead to make the next move. It's because something else is coming next. You're always, you're always looking ahead like that, but three wide, you're just kind of, you're, you're stuck. I mean, so you're not really, it's not like your guy's going to be aggressive moving bottom or top real quick. So honestly, it's one of the, I hate to say it, but it's one of them it's one of the easier times um, sometimes because you're just nowhere to go. You're just riding right there. You're not worried about switching lanes right then. You're just kind of still in the middle, in the middle, in the middle. And then you're looking for where the help's coming and, and how you can get out of it. So um, it's not, it's not super stressful or anything. It's just, you're just, you're sometimes the middle, the middle has been good at plate races here lately. Sometimes that's the place to be. So, you know, that's, that's, um, that's where it opens up and, and you can make moves sometimes, honestly. TJ, I'm just fascinated by this, and I thought I knew a lot about this stuff. And, and I mean, I obviously follow the sport, but man, the depth of detail is fascinating, okay? I'm going to ask you a question that our MRN turn reporters wrestle with. You talked about the trends like a Denny Hamlin. You know he's going to be doing it. We used to live in an era where everyone had the same paint scheme week after week. Is, is that a challenge when someone shows up with a paint? And, and the example I'll use is Justin Allgaier in that Xfinity race. We never see Justin Allgaier in a black number seven car, but he was in a black seven car. How, how, how challenging is that? Or how, what wrinkle does that add to what you do? It honestly, it doesn't bother me at all. I, I guess, um, you know, through working with Dell Jr. all them years, we ran a lot of different paint schemes and we ran a lot of special schemes with the 88 back in the day. And, and, um, you know, you, I don't know. You just, you just know, I mean, you know what your car is. I, I don't even know how to tell you, like, I don't know if there's one thing I look for. You just know what your car is that now. The tricky part is, is when uh, there was a point of last year where we ran um, Chris and Brad both ran pretty much the same paint scheme and they ran right near each other the entire race. I believe it was Richmond last year. And <laughs> that was, um, that was tough. And, and, you know, to not, to it's, it, you can make mistakes. I did make a mistake one time. Um, it actually was with Justin Allgaier. And uh, I was spotting for Justin Allgaier all that year. Well, Dell Jr. ran the Richmond race that year. And I was spotting for Dell Jr. in, in the Xfinity race. And I looked off a of turn four and um, Dell Jr. was clear, but I started spotting for Justin's car for a second. Justin was passing somebody. So Dell Jr. is at the flag stand and, and Justin's coming off turn four. And I started telling him outside, outside, outside. And I mean, Del Jr. up against the wall at the flag saying, well, he hangs a hard left. This goes back to that trust thing. He hangs a <laughs> left. 
and there's nobody near him. And I'm like, oh, sorry, wrong car. <laughs> um, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, that was the one time that I can remember ever kind of messing that up. But other, other than that, um, you're right, though. I mean, that fluorescent orange car got me. Um, but, yeah, it, it was good to know. You know, that's what I told him. I said, at least I know you listened to me. So that was good. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I got just one or two other things here, TJ. You guys, a couple of years ago, you and Freddie Kraft and a couple of your buddies started sitting around and recording this podcast called Door Bumper Clear. Did you ever in your wildest imaginations think it would become what it has grown into today? No, it actually, you know, it started out with Mike Davis just doing like a Dell Jr. podcast and hit at me on there to talk about how the race went because I was involved in, you know, the whole race and, and how it went every week. and. And then Mike wanted to start one with just, you know, spotters and, um, you know, it, he wanted to have a couple of opinions on there. And so we had to kind of pick someone that usually has really good, big, bold opinions. Um, so that's where the, that's where the other two come in. I try to play the, um, the wise man, you know, try to be smart about everything you say. Um, but no, it's definitely grown and it's amazing how many people come up to me at the track every week and say they love the podcast and that, you know, there's, you look at the t- my timeline on social media, it's everyone's like, man, this, this is the best part of my week driving to work or something like that. And it's just, it's good to engage with the race fans and, and, and um, give them a different side of things sometimes. And, and just, you know, if they're, if it gets them closer to the sport and they're more interested, I'm all for it. So, but no, I never, never imagined it would grow to as big as it as it did you know mike's done a great job with that and and um you know it's it's crazy but it's it's nice seeing the race fans be so happy and and be a part of it i i agree i'm a podcast person i love podcasting you guys do a great job what dirty mo media does is great across the board so uh really really fun and uh really really cool okay so final question for you is here todd and i were having this debate earlier today okay and we were talking about when you are watching your own kids, is it? <laughs> you're babysitting. I already know. <laughs> is, it, is it babysitting? 100% you're babysitting. <laughs> Todd, your reaction? No. No. No, Todd ain't. <clears throat> no, Todd's not going to go with the babysitting. I can tell you this. Scariest day of my life was uh, the first day my wife went back to work after I had my first daughter. Um, yeah. And I'm sitting. Yeah. That was um, you learn real quick. Um, yeah, it, there is a, a lot of work involved, uh, with that, but I mean, I don't, I don't see how it's not babysitting, even if it's your own. I mean, if it's someone else's, you're babysitting, right? I mean, what's the difference? There you go. There you go. Well, Todd, Todd, Todd said we needed to have that debate right here to wrap things up. Well, how many up. diapers has Todd changed? I've wow. changed a few of them. A few? I, or, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've changed a few, but I did take the opportunity to be working through most of that time. <laughs> I, did, I did a few a day. Great stuff. Really cool. TJ, we do appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us here on Crew Call. We wish you guys the best out at Talladega and on throughout the season. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. And uh, Todd, don't forget my maple syrup. Ah, gotcha. Oh, there gotcha. you go. Maple syrup. <laughs> Love it. There you go. TJ Major, spotter for RFK Racing and Brad Keselowski. Stay with us. More crew call in just a moment. Welcome back to Crew Call. We have just had a great conversation with Matt McCall, crew chief, and TJ Majors, the depth, Todd, of all that goes into it is is impressive and and 
TJ is impressive, and it's 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 layers, it's years of experience, it's trust, it's everything else. But man, there's a lot that goes into door bumper clear. There's a lot that goes into that for sure. In, into those calls at the racetrack, yeah. What, what a fascinating summary of of what's going on. I've had the opportunity. I worked with TJ for yeah. for a few years there uh, at Team Penske, and uh, at, you know, just he's a talent up top, and, and his story, and it's it's everything. It's how he got here. He was a racer, right? right? He was at Dale, and I knew a few of these things. I didn't know how depth, but he was a rate. He raced for Dale Jr. He he just and he worked into the spotter job, and then how much goes into it? And that's the thing that, that I think our our viewing watch it this weekend and watch it and hear it. Uh, yeah. It's in, it's impressive. I mean, it, how much information they can give the drivers and those guys that continually compete up front, they have that information to make the decision. Yeah. When you go to the racetrack, when you go to a race, first and foremost, make sure you get a scanner from Racing yes. Electronics. Make sure you have a scanner. And also make sure you listen to 454.000 MRN. Yep. But, but no, when you listen to these crew, these, these, that perspective is phenomenal. And when you listen to the, the spotter-driver relationship, it's, it's fascinating. It really, truly is. It, it's, it's, we've talked so much this year about the race day experience. And we talk about the fan zone, and we talk about this. Mm-hmm. I am telling you, scanning a quality crew chief and driver will enhance your race day experience, especially if you, for your favorite driver. Scan him and listen to what's going on. That will enhance your race day experience more than a t-shirt trailer or probably anything else. Yes. Yeah, I definitely, definitely, uh, definitely listen to those things. When we get to Speedway races, you've got to be tuned in. Um, It's just, if you listen to 10, 15 laps, you'll have a whole different perspective of what's going on. If you can pair what you hear to what you see, especially with these guys like TJ. I mean, there's, I would, I would put TJ in like the top five up there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, won a championship with him. Right. And, and won some speedway races yeah. with him. So right. uh, it's, uh, he's, he's pretty special. And, and that's, that's the piece that if you get to those places, really listen to that. When you get to the short tracks, it's still good. It's still good, yeah. It, it is, but the level at speedway races, if you get to Daytona and Talladega, you've got to tune in and just tune in and saturate yourself for 10 laps. It will, it will just purely amaze you. And when you talk about it, the backup channel on that scanner, Think of big block Chevrolets, 454.00. That's right. Exactly. It's that's MRN. It's, it's a great call up there. You get to listen to our broadcast and, and through the cautions, it's, it's still enlightening. Well, through the cautions, it's a, it's a, there's sometimes it's train wreck radio, but uh, you know, it is, it is neat. It really truly is. So fun, fun stuff. Really, truly cool. Um, You, you mentioned TJ is probably one of the top five spotters up there. When we go to Talladega super speedway, there's another handful of drivers that know what they're doing. And I think that's what you have with TJ. Brad's in that handful. Mm -hmm. TJ's in this handful. And that's a good combination. Yeah, it is. It is. It definitely is. I think you know, everybody talks about, and, and as you listen to what TJ talked about there, there's, Speedway Racing isn't luck. Speedway racing, totally. racing is about information and trust. And, and you, you, that's why you see the same guys yep. habitually come to the front. He talked about Denny Hamlin. Denny's going to be up there. Yep. Brad's going to be up there. Ryan Blaney's going to be up there. Yep. You know, it's, it's just, there's, Joey Logano's going to find his way there. Chase Elliott's going to, there's, there's guys that have that relationship and that trust. And, and those guys figure out how to get forward. It's, uh, it takes that relationship, and it's, it's really a cool part of Speedway Race. Boy, it is. Fascinating stuff, and Talladega will not disappoint this weekend. Our coverage begins on Saturday at Talladega, 10.30 Eastern Time, NASCAR Cup Series qualifying. Then at 12.30 Eastern Time, 
It's the General Tire 200 for the Arca Menard Series. Love when we get a chance to catch up with the Arca folks. They put on a great show as well. 3.30, it's the Ag Pro 300. NASCAR Xfinity Series, that's all on Saturday and Sunday at 2, uh, 2, per, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Easy for me to say. NASCAR Cup Series Geico 500 from Talladega Super Speedway. To quote the great Barney Hall, they don't race them anywhere in the world like they do at Talladega. It is going to be fun, that's for sure. Fun show today, man. It was great to really dive into RFK Racing and that six team. Uh, we could be talking about them in victory lane on Sunday afternoon at, at uh, Talladega. Surely could. Uh, Brad finished second, was, was uh, controlled a lot of the Atlanta race. I know that he's super focused on this stuff and loves this place. Yeah, good stuff. That's for sure. He is Todd Gordon. I'm Steve Post. Again, we appreciate Matt McCall and TJ Majors for joining us. But more important than all of that, thank you for joining us here this week on MRM's Crew Call.